Hello again and welcome to our second episode of Unplugged for 2020. The year has been rollicking along at a rapid rate. The AFLW girls are a couple of games into their season. They can certainly hold their heads high, but unfortunately yet to land a victory. And the men will take to the park this week for the first time in the Marsh Community Series when they take on Hawthorne for one of two occasions. They've got them at Moorabbin and they've got them in the Bushfire Charity Game the following week as well down in Morwell, which will be interesting to see. Darren Park and Aaron McGrath and Nick Splitter bringing you Unplug It. You can follow us via all of our socials. Nick, as I welcome you in, and I think we still have plenty of stickers and, and the like around. So if you see them on cars and you want one, how can we uh, how can we get people in the right direction? Yeah, mate, send us, uh, tweet us uh, at Unplug It on Twitter or send us a message on Facebook or just email us, unplugit at gmail.com. And uh, shoot us through your address and we'll send you out a sticker. Absolutely. We'll get that through. So welcome to you and to Aaron McGrath, H. Uh, you've fresh in the intra club. I think you're the only one of the three of us that took that in. So that was your first glimpse of footy for the year? Yeah, had a had a free day to run down there and have a look. And very, very impressed with what I saw, actually. Um, a lot of the new players on our list, a nice, nice bit of coverage we've picked up and covering what we've lost or didn't have previously, but yeah, we'll cover a little bit of that soon and it's um, good things ahead. Yeah, it does look that way. Uh, obviously, uh, for those listening to this podcast, it's recorded on the eve of the game with, with Hawthorne. We'll discuss that and other issues as well, broader in terms of the, the remainder of the season, but wouldn't mind starting with the leadership group. So it's been announced Jaron Geary remains captain. Seb Ross remains vice captain, having led the side for most of last season. Uh, Jack Billings in the leadership group. Tim Membry, who has been spoken about all summer as a smoky, a, a bolter in the leadership. He's in that group. But probably the two stories, one being Bradley Hill landing in the leadership group in his first year at the club. And the other one, a great story, Dylan Robertson, fantastic for, for him coming off uh, two ruined years and, and a very, very serious health concern. A very popular player at the club, but obviously to get himself into the leadership group is a wonderful reward. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he was in the leadership group when he went down a couple mm. of years ago. Uh, I think he always would have stayed in the leadership group. The, the boys love him. The coaching group loves him. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the box with the coaches and, and on the track with the coaches over the last couple of years, uh, I guess, working on his leadership. And, and it was no surprise really to me to see him back in there as, as soon as he was back on, on the track uh, as a player. Likewise with, with Jaron Geary, I, I, think, I don't think there's a better, a better candidate for the captaincy at the club right now. Uh, we, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago mm. that, uh, you know, I, I think he's the best captain at our club. Um, and, and I'm not surprised given the way that he leads on the field. He, he's not the most talented footballer. He's not the most skilled footballer. He's not going to go and kick, you know, incredible goals or take screamers every week, but he doesn't back down. He hits it hard and the players look up to him. And one thing further to that is that we get a lot of tweets into us and, and even via correspondence on an SEN and things like that saying, if he wasn't captain, would he be in the best 22? That's an absurd question. I mean, is there, a, he would. is there a player on St Kilda's list that is a better shutdown defender than, than Jaron Geary? Who takes that role in the side? I mean, we've missed him when we play. He didn't play against Adelaide on either occasion and Eddie Betts, who didn't get a kick all year, tore us apart in both games. Uh, he's played in the past on guys like Cyril Rioli in, in full flight. Now, he's not the best player in the competition, but he's clearly our best small defender. 100%. Yeah. I think you find that the bad games he has had are the ones that people see stand out more than what he actually does good because mm. we get that every other week, but then he has a shocker and everyone's on to him. Um, but, 
yeah, you said we missed him for a lot. You saw the way that there was a few games where we just fell over in the back line because one, we're missing him, two, we're missing Carlisle. Probably two of the players that down the back line lead the team while they're out there. Really hold it together. Yeah. Really hold um, it together. And, you know, there were, it was, in, in some respects, it was good while he was out. You got to get more games into Ben Patton and, and some of those young guys who, you know, performed admirably. And, and I think, you know, guys like Patton and Langlands and some of those kids that, that spent a bit of time down back could potentially be players in the future. But do you pick him over Jaron Geary? Not right he's, now, no. He's no. better than McKenzie. He plays a different role to Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Long's clearly going to rebound. Different player entirely. Caulfield running back. Yeah, running Robert defender. and Taller. Yeah, Caulfield running a good ball user. So there are options, but they're not the same player. No. Like You wouldn't put Caulfield on. I mean, who's the best small forward in the competition? Let's throw one out of the air. You wouldn't put Caulfield on Papley, for example. No. Charlie Cameron. Charlie Cameron, yeah. So, yeah. so basically, just, yeah. just to sum it up, really, if the players say he is the best leader... I'm going with them and the coaches. Yep. That, that that's as staff. simple as it is. If, if he's good enough for that to them to say, "Well, he's our leader," I, I'm that's it for me. Is it logical that several? Is there any concern around the fact that yeah, if Geary left or retired suddenly, that there is a bit of a leadership void, or is Sebros a logical captain option, or are we a bit bereft beyond that? I mean, Tim Membry, everyone keeps talking about it. It mm. doesn't jump off the page, but as we say, we're not in the group to, to obviously see firsthand. Yeah, they, they talked about him a bit towards the back end of last season as well, just mm. in, in the way that he'd stepped up in, in a leadership capacity, especially in the forward line. Uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a concern. I mean, I personally, I'm not sure that Seb Ross is captain material. Um, there's, there's a few guys that I'd probably choose ahead of him, and mm. Dan Hanabry's one, but there's some obvious issues in terms of getting him fit and getting him out in the park first. Uh, Jack Steele. Yeah, I'd have it, up there. It was surprise, a, a surprising ambition, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair call. Yeah. My biggest yeah. surprise out of the, that leadership group was that, that Steele wasn't in it um, because I thought that he was a candidate for vice captaincy. Uh, and, and he's probably my preferred player for next captain, you know, in yep. a year or two. Which now seems unlikely based on based on that, but we'll obviously we'll, we'll find out what does happen. He's a, a little bit younger than than Jaron Geary. Hey, your thoughts on Brad Hill? Obviously, going straight in there of all of the recruits that we brought across from other clubs. Yeah, well, has he made that much impact already? That is that's the thing. Has he jumped ahead of the likes of Hanbury already? Well, I know he came back to train with the first of four years. Uh, as a senior away. player, which he didn't need to do, he's mm. he's gone to a lot of the you know the external functions and things like that. Plus, he's obviously a jet. He's been lighting it up on the on the track. And we're going to remember. I think Hanbury was in the leadership group at the start of last year, and either withdrew himself yeah, or was withdrawn because of yeah, injury. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, it, does that mean like I'm look sort of looking at that? I mean, you say so he's sort of a been a leader of the young guys. Membry's a bit of a leader of the forwards. Robin's a bit of a yeah. leader of the defenders. Yeah. It, it, it's, it may be a bit of a structure in there looking at it. I think also forget that Brad Hill was in the leadership group at Frio. Yes. And mm. was known as a leader at yeah. Frio until, you know, a, a fairly highly Possibly captain if Fife's not there. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, Dougal Howard was a captain for Port Adelaide last year. Uh, it was only one game, but mm-hmm. he was, he was in the leadership group. Um, so I, I'm not sure that there's a void. I just... I'm not sure that there's someone ready today to take over from Jaron Geary. What I'm going to do now is just play a quick little snippet of Brad Hill speaking about being inducted into the leadership group. 
It's obviously awesome to, to be a part of it. Obviously, I've only been here for a few months, but um, yeah, it's great to, to be a part of the, the leadership group. And um, you know, I just want to help out as much as I can, especially to the, the younger players coming through. So. Um, you know, I'm very honoured to be, be a part of this group and I'm um, looking forward to the season. Was it a surprise? Did you have a sense of the impact you'd had? Um, I, guess, I, yeah, I guess you never know until obviously the votes come in. Um, but, you know, I wasn't ever going to change the way I was going to lead and the way I, I am with the playing group and um, especially the younger, younger players. And uh, probably my personality, I'm pretty, pretty out there and get along with everyone. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's an honour to be a part of this group. And also from the captain, Jaron Geary, who is honoured again to lead the club into the 2020 season. Geary's real show of faith from the playing group to be voted in fourth year as skipper. Yeah, um, yeah, really honoured um, again to, to lead the footy club. Um, it's, a, it's a great responsibility to have, something I've really enjoyed doing over the last uh, few years. And, you know, it's something that when you get voted in by your peers, you're pretty proud of. So I'm um, looking forward to leading the boys out again this year. Hopefully it's a bit more often this year than it was last year. But, um, yeah, again, really humbled and proud to lead the Saints. As you touched on, pretty difficult 2019 for yourself. How frustrating was it to be sitting on the sidelines for large parts of the season? Yeah, it's always hard when you can't help a cause. Um, it was a, you know, a tough year's year in many ways last year, um, not just for me, but for a lot of guys in the club. So um, things are looking up this year. It's an exciting place to be. And um, last year was one we put behind us and, and moved forward. But um, great vibe around the footy club. I've um, got some new talent in, some new coaches, and it's a really exciting place to be at the moment. Jaron Geary there, fourth season in a row for him as captain took over at the start of 2017 when Nick Rewalt was still playing. Obviously, Nick played one year as a non-captain under... Jaron Geary. Um, in terms of the squad for this week, and for those listening, apologies if you pick it up after the, the, that particular game, but you would have seen it. So Hanabry managed, which is interesting. You can only assume that because he had a big load of minutes in the intra-club match, either he pulled up slightly sore. They were planning on playing him in two practice matches, so not this one, the next two. Zach Jones was scheduled to have his wisdom teeth out about three weeks ago, but the operation got delayed due to the dental surgery. So... Uh, he would have been available to play this game, but can't due to the, the timing. He had his wisdom teeth out last Friday, so uh, he'll play next week. And the other ones left out were Geary with a calf and Robertson with a knee. But I think you saw all of them fairly yeah, well, close up. Except, apart from Geary, yeah. um, who didn't play in the injury club. Um, yeah, Hannibal played a lot of minutes, played a lot of basically on the ball the whole game. Got a fair bit of it. Um, it was doing a lot of on-field coaching. That was one thing I noticed him um, really being out there to do. He was he was really directing the players, getting them in the positions. He'd run off the field, then they'd just stand right on the boundary line and keep yelling out, come on, get here, get here, that sort of thing. Um, uh, Robertson probably had a reasonable match, to be honest. He probably looked as good as he did when he was playing three years ago. Um, running the lines well, defending great, as he always did. Um, and the other one who was out was, oh, Zach Jones. Yes. I, I, in the first half, he was clear best on ground. Yeah. Um, maybe tapered off a little bit, but probably overall ended up probably being best on. I'm lucky that I've still got my wisdom teeth. So I don't know what that's like <laughs> to go through. I know others have probably experienced it, but, um, the other ones that sort of has been a topic of discussion. So Max King kicked four in the intra-club match, admittedly for the likelies versus the unlikelies. So playing against the, maybe the younger group, but should we 
embrace, be embracing the max hype or should we be trying to play it down a little bit to look well, after him? Should it be the let the kid, I mean, clearly he's going to play, but, but let the kid loose and embrace the fact that we think he's going to be pretty sharp? In saying that, he probably kicked more goals in the when the teams were more level. Right, okay. So, yeah. A bit, he, yeah, he kicked two in the last two or three minutes of the first half yeah. um, when the teams hadn't really been switched back over as yet. So in the second half when it became more the mm. first 22 versus the rest, yeah. um, he probably didn't have as much impact. Okay. It's an interesting one about the, the hype. I, I tend to f- feel like he's been in the system for a year, and even before that he was basically in the system yeah. training with, you know, with our guys at our club. Um, he clearly knows what he's doing, and I think he knows that he's good enough to perform at, at a certain level. I think – the club knows that he's good enough to perform at that level. And he can learn from his brother too. Well, He'll be a teammate eventually. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't, don't mention the war. Um, I think let him loose. Let him loose. I'd, if I was a coaching group, I'd be tempted to let him play five minutes on a wing and just let him mm. run. You know, yeah. we've heard for, for 12 months is the nickname of Winks. Let him yeah. run. Yep. Let him run and let, yep. him, let him show people. Even He doesn't need to kick six goals. He can kick no. one goal. He could kick... No goal. He could set up four or five of those. That's the other thing. But just yeah. let him let him touch the ball in in you know a competitive setting um, against other professionals, not from our club, uh, and just just let him go. And one area where I thought we were actually better when McCartan played. I know we had his critics, but I thought we were often a bit directionless without him in the side. So he was very good, McCartan, and hopefully he plays again one day. But he was very good at throwing himself into packs, smashing packs apart, ball hits the ground. And you knew that when we were farting around with the ball sort of midfield or just forward of centre, that you could bomb it long in there, he'd crunch a pack, it creates chaos. We sort of haven't had that. And, and Max King strikes me as the type of guy that hopefully you want him to take a couple of those marks. But just someone that – and Rewalt was a classic example of a get-out-of-jail mm. play. He just kicked it in his direction. He wouldn't always mark it, but mm. provides that contest. I think Max has that presence about him that – in pressure situations, he'll draw the ball, mm, which will yeah. help us structure-wise, yeah. even if he's, he's young. Yeah. He's a legitimate, genuine target. Mm. For all his athleticism, he's he's a big boy. And yeah. you know, he, he'll he'll love having some freedom in the forward line. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. One of the things, you know, looking at this squad that was named, and, and you've already talked about the players who were not playing, but even without those guys, this is a really strong squad. Yeah. Really strong squad. And so for the first time in a number of years, there's going to be competition for nearly every every player, every spot on this on this list every week, hmm. uh, which is which is a great thing for us. Yeah, I mean, even looking at um, what happened on Thursday, Ryan Abbott probably had the better of um, Rowe in the first quarter, at least. Oh dear, he, he, he actually <laughs> he actually looked pretty good, to be yeah. honest. Like Marshall wasn't doing anything wrong. No, that, that's Abbott right. was actually looking quite good, um, and in the other way that. He got used as a backup ruck. Um, Marsh. Yeah. Down forward, he was providing a great target. Now, and then moved into the ruck and was actually playing pretty well there too. No, I don't mind that Marshall's not playing in the state game because it's one less chance for him to get injured. I know that sounds bad, but so Gresham and Hill are playing in that game. But are we surprised? So with no Max Gorn, I think that it mm. came down to Marshall or Goldstein as mm. to who they thought would be the best Victorian ruckman. No argument really in the sense that Goldstein's played so much footy, but he's a little bit stiff. Marshall not to be in that side. Did he say he didn't want to play? Possibly. Uh, I doubt it, but it's possible. Mm. You think he probably would because you never get a chance to play state footy anymore. Well, yeah, that's true. I think think sometimes we can get mixed up between how good Rowan Marshall was last year and how good he can potentially be in the future. Uh, 
and you compare him against Todd Goldstein, who's got the runs on the board for a decade. You know, he's a very, very good ruckman, and he probably is the third best ruckman in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't have an issue with them selecting Goldstein. I would have liked to see Marshall, obviously. Uh, I love state footy. We, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. I would have loved to see as many of our guys in that game wearing wearing the, the big V specifically, but, um, you know, running out in, in a team like that, I would have loved to see our guys out there. Uh, but, you know, you, when, when you talk about the best players in the league, Todd Goldstein is one of the best ruckmen in the league. Yes, he is. There's no complaints. Over the time he's played, definitely. Yep. Yep. Allow Rowe to focus on, um, obviously, playing that ruck forward role alongside Paddy Ryder. Uh, Did we mention Ryder earlier, H? Uh, He didn't play. Didn't play? No. Um, And I think he's possibly still being managed. He's in in this side. He's actually been named named as centre-half forward. One one that I was surprised about and I would have liked to see tomorrow night is Jack Bytel. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of yeah. him. We don't hear a lot about him, but there's some there's whispers. He went pretty well. There last are whispers week. about how good this kid can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there has been since we drafted him. Hey, talking uh, talking to someone who's watched a lot of him, he does read the play very well. He does get to the right spots. He very good ball user. Um, as we know, he should have gone a top ten, mm. definitely. So, and big raps on his leadership yeah. capability as well. Um, he will be one to watch. Mm. Stuart Lowe will be our special guest on the program, speaking of somebody that played a heck of a lot of uh, state footy over the journey and keen to get his thoughts on a number of issues. Just one before we get to that, uh, it's completely jumping off on a tangent, and we'll wrap up the AFLW later. But Ross Lyons spoke during the week on a uh, on a podcast and I think revealed some of that personality. And I think Matthew Pavlich at Freo and a couple of others at St Kilda have said clearly the best coach they've ever had and, and the best coach they've ever seen. He rubs people up the wrong way, Ross, with his press conference demeanour and his coaching demeanour, but he seems to be a very different bloke to that in reality, and, and they love him. He was at Lenny Hayes' 40th the other day, which yep. the video of that was up on socials. Uh, Rewalt loves him. Milne, who we spoke to, loves him as well. I know a lot of Saints fans are still probably a bit bitter from the departure, and and he said a little bit about that, that the club sort of backed him into a corner. But will there come a time, you think, where Ross gets the appreciation maybe he deserves from the St Kilda faithful? Or is there still that perception, oh, he ruined the list? My attitude is, yeah, the list wasn't in great shape, but we were – three millimetres away from winning back-to-back premierships. I think it's one of those things that when you win a flag, all, yep. all is forgiven. Correct. And, and you probably maybe... don't fall off the cliff either. No, that's right. Yeah. And and I think, I think you know, when we do win that flag, then I think we look back on it and we go, geez, he was good for us. Yeah. I mean, I think we're already starting to do that when you look at what we've yeah. gone through in the last eight, ten years uh, and, and where we were in, you know, 09, 10, 11, uh, and what could have happened and how close we got – that doesn't happen by accident. No, it doesn't. That's not just no. because mm. we had a talented list. Yeah. That is work ethic and great coaching. And he was a great coach. Uh, was he a great list manager? Well, he wasn't the list manager, but you know, he made, he, he was fairly involved in a lot of those decisions. And looking back, some of those decisions potentially left us a bit in the lurch, mm. uh, I think would be putting it mildly, mm. but he did everything possible to win a premiership yeah. and nearly won two. The question is, is he going as a media or anything? Do we know? Because if he starts talking to us up, I reckon he'll whip the fans back quick yeah. enough. I think he'll be good in the media if he does. Um, and I sense he'll probably find his way in there sooner or later. Someone will want him.
That's right. Uh, well, the Saints have played one game at Moorabbin this year. The AFLW girls uh, opening the uh, the curtain on the new era uh, with a game against the Western Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. They will play again on Friday against Melbourne. And, of course, it's the Marsh Community Series this week against Hawthorne. We're going to reflect on some Moorabbin memories. In 1965, a record home attendance of 51,370 saw St Kilda play Collingwood in the opening round at Moorabbin. They hung from the rafters, they squeezed into every vantage point. They won by a kick. We didn't win many games, but we had some fun. kick from Ferry to full forward. Goal! What the goal! Can he find him? Well, the tension's on here for Rabin and Lockett slid. There's the pass on the way. And Lockett has marked directly in front. Now, Pete, you've kicked 100 goals yourself. Call this 100th goal in league football of Tony Lockett if he kicks it. Well, Tony Lockett coming in for goal number 100. He'll never forget. It's a goal! A great effort by the young champ. A beautiful kick. And there are the Saints players protecting Tony Lockett. And the crowd are coming on in their hundreds and thousands. And I knew the police had no hope. Morris kicks long to hard forward. Low. Causing major problems. Here's another one. This will be Winmar. The Saints are alight. So we're set to go. Some Kilda kicking to the right. They've got two of their champions back. And the Crows to the left. Tregenza got a touch. Harvey, who's been a big star this year, goes towards Paul Point Lockett. What a dream start. Couldn't have asked for more than that, Don. You can listen to that crowd. I think the crowd tells the story, doesn't it? Special place in my heart, I suppose, in the especially, you know, them last quarters when the game's close and uh, all the supporters and that start ranting and raving and cheering and, you know, it nearly brings the roof down. There's just some sort of feeling that you get when you're at Moorabbin that you don't get when you're at any other ground. Well, Jen, I think I can speak on behalf of all visiting players to Moorabbin that uh, say farewell and good riddance to those cold showers in the club rooms after the six-inch mud cakes you used to get on yourself in the cold middle. Cold showers? Well, that was being polite. They oh, were a trickle no. of water. <laughs> It is time now on our broadcast this week to catch up with one of the all-time greats of the club. 321 games, 594 goals. Club captain, Captain St Kilda, into a grand final in 1997. Best and fairest winner in 1990. All-Australian, state of origin rep as well. All of those topics, particularly uh, current in terms of the landscape around football at the moment with the other return of the state of origin next week, but also the pre-season on our doorsteps and the pre-season competition has changed dramatically. We know now it's obviously more practice match based, but I think we all remember the halcyon days of uh, 1996 at Waverley Park. But I speak of Stuart Lowe and Stuart, thank you very much for joining us. Now my pleasure, boys. Uh, 
good to be here. Now, I apologise for asking a, a difficult one first up, and, and I understand that it's obviously a particularly hard topic. We were broadcasting uh, a show not long after the, the passing of, of Danny Frawley, and we all, all had our chances to sort of share our thoughts and, and pay our respects and pay our tributes. First of all, well done for the, the courage you and Robert Harvey and co showed at the uh, at the funeral and, and also at the best and fairest. But I guess a, a lasting memory that, that, that has stayed with you over these coming months when, when reflecting on, on Danny particularly. Oh, look, it's probably a, a, a poignant question. Is there, there has been a little bit of time that's gone by. I... I, I got asked up by Tony Brown to, to address the boys up at Ballarat last Thursday night around the campfire uh, and just talk a little bit about the great man and, and, and his role at the footy club when I was there and, and, and his legacy he left and what he sort of meant to, to myself and, and, and certainly his teammates back then as both a teammate and skipper. Um, I took time to, to go to the accident site and and uh, and, and yeah, it was it was it was something that I I'd been putting off, um, but um, it was the right time, and and you know we're never going to we're never going to forget him. Um, he, he was larger than life. He was he was was one of my best mates. Um, footy transcends transcends a lot lots of lots of parts of your life, and um, you know I, I'm. I, Love every moment I had you know, playing with him on the field. He was he was fearless. Uh, he was courageous. Um, he was funny. Um, he knew he knew when to lighten the mood. He knew when to to put the foot down and and, and get the boys g'd up. Um, he was just an unbelievable athlete um, that probably people forgot um, in in his later life in in what he was doing. On, on the bounce and, and all the mucking around and, you know, the weight he put on, which he hated. Um, but he, he was just a fierce, fierce and awesome um, competitor and athlete. Um, used to used to, uh, used to to be top three in, in every endurance run we used to do. Um, was such a young leader. He was captain of the footy club at 23 and uh, never really looked back. And until the day he retired, he, he was captain and there was no better person um, that I could run out in the field with. Um, you know, we'll, we'll never replace him and we'll never forget him. And, um, you know, his legacy is large and, yeah, it's just, just a, it's just left a huge hole in my heart and um, a huge hole around the footy club and, and, and around my life. But, um, you know, he's got, uh, he's got three beautiful daughters and a, an amazing wife um, that, um, that I know will carry on his legacy and, um you know, we'll we'll all try our best. Uh, the guys that played with him, um, and I know the guys um, now representing the club, will we'll try their best to to to, to capture that elusive flag that we're all chasing back then, and, and hopefully it's not too far away. Stewie, Nick Slitter here. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Uh, just want to uh, reiterate what what Darren said earlier, and and uh, you know, thank you for for your kind words for for Spud and and uh, everything you did throughout that that period. I think a lot of Saints fans as as well were were struggling through that period. Um, but to, I guess to to lighten the the mood a little bit, um, you probably would have had some decent battles with him on the on the training track, especially if you know if Plugger was out or or injured or suspended or whatever. He, he missed a few games that the big fella did. But you, did you ever cop a spray from him in in the goal square on the training track or or? Uh, did he get in your ear a bit and chirp at we, the training? We, 
We had a we had a couple of years when when uh, when Kenny was coaching, where Hutto would take Jamie Shanahan, myself, Plugger, and Spud, the four of us, and we'd do probably 20 minutes of training, sort of one on one with each other, and we'd rotate around. Generally, generally I'd get Shanners, but um, you know, quite often, uh, you know, we, we'd we'd mix it around, and um, I, I I can pinpoint that as the real defining turning point in my career. Um, you know, both both amazing um, backmen in their own rights, um, and yeah, if you you had to be on your game, and it it was on, it was it was a, it was one hundred and ten percent. It was match day stuff, and you know, he Spud hated he hated you taking one or getting one or pushing him off, and you know he, he he'd be there with a with an elbow in the guts. Uh, you, you knew you knew it. So um, you know those. Those memories of those battles uh, were phenomenal. I actually never stood him in a in a in a pracky game. Um, we we used to always be pitted against each other on any any sort of camps that we did. He'd always be on another on another team, and uh, he'd be he'd be inevitably a leader of of his team, and 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 I'd be one of the leaders in one of the other teams, and and we'd battle out. We'd really really battle it out. Um, one there's only one time up at Takapunya where we were both sort of semi injured and we were put in the one team together and we had this uh, orienteering run on the last day and it was uh, supposed to take half a day and we had about five minutes to get our our team together and Spud and I sort of put our heads together and we tore the map into fours and we sent uh, two blokes out to each sort of corner of the grid and we were back within about two hours. We got every mark uh, clipped on our on our sheet, and uh, the uh, the coaches and the guys looking after it up at uh, up at sort of scratched their heads and said, "Well, boys, the bar's yours." So um, as soon as there was an incentive for a bit of a beer and and uh, and and to sort of not break the rules, but just just put our heads together and come up with a with a plan, um, we uh, well, he, he certainly did. And, I wish I could say I was the instigator of it. I, I might have had a little bit of a, a say in it, but um, it was uh, it was it was mainly the big fella's idea. Um, but uh, but no, he was he was he was awesome, awesome, awesome. As I said, um, words can't describe you know what he was as a player. He just gave his all, and um, as I said to the boys the other night, you know if you can rest your head on your pillow at your end, end of the game or at the end of the year, or at the end of your career, to say that you've got everything in your pocket then you've done yourself proud, your family proud, and your club proud. And, and I know that's one thing that he prided himself on. Hey, Buck, it's great, uh, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Um, now, thinking of Plugger and when he moved on at the end of 1994, um, obviously you missed a fair bit of 94, but the change from there on, from 95 onwards, we obviously needed to find some goals from somewhere. We found that you yourself kicked 160-plus over the next two years and... But just the change from having him plugger there to not having him there, just how how did you have to change your game? How did everyone have to restructure? And what what was the biggest difference that you found? Oh look, look there's no doubt. Look, I, I rate plugger with halves as as the best players I've ever played with. Him. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And you'd have him in your side. You know, if, if we could have retained him, we 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 would have had him. But um, we were fortunate enough to, to get some terrific kids um, through through that trade with with Plugger going up to Sydney, 
Um, and it was probably a great opportunity for me to, to probably play a little bit deeper, um, which, which you know, I, I played the majority of my football previous to that, obviously, up forward. Uh, sorry, uh, up a little higher at centre forward. So we just tweaked a few things around, and, and look, I, I really, I really enjoyed playing a little bit deeper. Um, you know, we then, we then were, were fortunate enough to to, to get um, Jason Heatley from West Coast, to, who was sensational for for two or three years for us, and I think kicked sixty or seventy goals in 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 ninety seven. Um, he provided a real good focal point up there. But um, look, you know, we 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 would have loved to have had had him there. We had to adjust. Slightly, um, we probably, you know, we probably um, having me down deeper uh, enabled us to still have a have a real get out and, and, and a go to. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, we we were we were we were all shattered when he left, and, uh, and and knew that we all had to dig deep and work a little bit harder to uh, to come up with a to come up with the wins. Nearly kicked a ton, obviously, in, in 96, uh, 90 goals that you probably would have had we have snuck into the finals. But I don't know, we, we will get on to Moorabbin in a moment. But just on, uh, obviously, that, that particular the period, and you were a particularly prolific State of Origin player, as was Robert Harvey, who won three AJ, EJ Witten medals. You obviously picked up one of those and played state footy for probably a decade. And we spoke about the pre-season competition where 96, there were 70,000 people at a grand final. A couple of years later, when you played North, there was about the same. In between, other grand finals were drawing that as, as well. Essendon, Richmond in 93, for example. Uh, could you foreshadow or foresee at that point in time that, say, 20 years down the track, there'd be no state of origin and there'd be no pre-season competition? Yeah, I, I, I must admit... When we started, we were we were bussed all around the state playing sort of these quasi practice games that didn't really mean much. That were you know you were hard to get hard to get motivated for on on grounds or the countryside. Inevitably, in the middle of the day, you know, at 35 degrees um, on a on a rock hard track. Um, yeah, the, the pre-season comp was great. You know, we we certainly embraced it. Um, my my mentality going into every preseason was to be the fittest I could be coming back after Christmas, and then as fit as I could be round one as the first practice game, and just try to hang on. Um, in hindsight, maybe I, I probably could have done things a little bit differently, but um, that was that was always my my ethos was just to, to be as fit as I could. So I, I relished um, all those all those preseason games. Um, State footy for us in the in the late eighties and the early nineties was was as, as good as finals. We we hadn't played that many finals, um, so to be involved with you know the likes of you know, Gary Ablett and Greg Williams and uh, the absolute champions of the game uh, to run around in their company was was just enormous for our growth. Um, I, I, I tell the story of my first or one of my first training sessions. At the MCG, and we were just doing simple lane work, and Billy Goggins was 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 the coach, and it was all fairly relaxed, and and you know I was nervous as hell, and and sort of just uh, just doing some simple lane work, sort of working at maybe three quarter pace, and I'd sort of marked the footy and 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 just kick one to Diesel Williams, and and just missed him by sort of you know by by maybe half a metre. He gave me the biggest spray, and I must admit, I don't think I missed a kick. Not that I was the greatest <laughs> kick, but I did not miss a kick at state training. 
or or probably for the for, for the the rest of that year. It just it just gave me an insight as to why these guys were so good, and the attention to detail. So I, I, I loved it. I, I, I loved EJ um, again. Spud was instrumental in playing a lot, as was as Haas and Berkey were really lucky and fortunate enough to be selected in in about a dozen games um, through through that through that era and, and, and played in some massive games and and um, yeah there was that real rivalry. Uh, it was tough trying to you know come up for three games in a week. Um, there's no doubt about that. And as the years went on, I unfortunately had to pull out on a couple, but um, I certainly put my hand up and, and and loved and cherished every one I played played in. Stewie, around that period, around the the kind of early to mid to late nineties, really, that you know, the league had a few new clubs come in. There was a lot more money um, being thrown around at players, and and there are obviously some some fairly well told stories about St Kilda players, particularly being targeted by some of those clubs, and uh, obviously plug a, plug a left um, yourself and, and halves and Berkey and 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 you guys stayed. W- was there any real Threat of of you guys leaving? Um, I, I know I know Harz and I were targeted by Fremantle. I, I probably the year the year they um, the second year they were about um, they they flew me over, which was which was common knowledge, and um, and I, I had a, had a uh, had a look at the facilities and, and, and met a few of the players, and um, had a couple of nights with Neil Danaher, who was the assistant coach at the time, and. And uh, came back uh, and um, just thought to myself, I just, I just, I'm not comfortable about sort of moving in a state from family, and I'd sort of, I'd sort of, without telling anyone, made my mind up that I was going to stay. Ironically, that Saturday I was putting a bet on down at the Sandringham TAB, and Noel Judkins, who was then uh, recruit, recruiting manager for Essendon. Um, Sort of was uh, was in there at the same time, and um, we ended up having a, a chat for about half an hour. And he teed up an interview with um, with Sheeds at Essendon. And um, again, I uh, I uh, I walked into the uh, to the meeting thinking I don't really want to change. Um, and we met at a one of the one of the supporters' houses just uh, opposite Windy Hill. No one really knew about it, and uh, I walked in, and you know, again, fairly intimidating meeting such a you know, such a champion and, and a great coach. And um, we sat down, and um, Kevin had a cup of tea, and I think I had a glass of water, and it was, a bit, it was about ten o'clock on maybe Monday or Tuesday, and uh, we just had a bit of a chit chat about various things, and he, he brought a whiteboard up with uh, with all the names, and I think uh, it was. Paul Salmon, full forward, Stewie Lowe. Um, I think uh, Tim Watson might have been in the middle, and um, Kevin Walsh. It was it was just this phenomenal side, and and um, I must admit, I went home and uh, gave that some serious serious consideration. But um, at the same time, Trevor Barker um, was coaching our twos, and um, I walked in to the gym to do um, some some. Jim worked during pre-season, and um, and I walked into Barks and uh, had a had a chat for literally two or three minutes, and um, I just told him I said, "No, I'm not going to go, mate. I'm going to stay. Um, I, I just really want to be remembered as a as a one team club, and I and I really believe in the direction that the club's heading. Uh, that was that was the end of '95, '96. We won the the night 
flag, and then '97 we 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 you know we played off in one and um, shoulda woulda coulda. But um, you know, I, I feel vindicated in my decision, and I have no regrets, and uh, really, really am proud to 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 to, to be a one-team player. And we've asked a few other former players on on this show in the past, kind of what is it about St Kilda, about Moorabbin, about Linton Street, about the club in general that that is so special, that makes you want to stay, that makes you want to be that, you know, one club player and, and be that hero to, to so many Saints fans. What is it about St Kilda that, that makes you want to stay? It's the people. Um, you know, I've been, I've been subject as Harves and Berkey and, and Danny and all these people that, you know, the footy club had no culture. The footy club was a basket case. Um, I'm not saying that we did everything right, but there was a hell of a lot of good people down there doing um, some amazing things, um, achieving some amazing things. Now, you know, we we never tasted the ultimate, but, um, you know, we worked bloody hard. We, you know, we, we've never been a powerhouse footy club, but, you know, once we once we get going, we can we can we can pack stadiums and there's a, a real passion and feeling down there, um, as there is with most other clubs. But um, to me, to summarise uh, why I stayed, it was simply the people, um, and the people make a footy club. And uh, you know, we're just custodians. We're just there for a small time. We 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 do what we can whilst we're down there, and, and then and then we become supporters or followers. Um, uh, after that, and um, yeah, to to me that that was that was what I I would have felt um, hard to leave. Um, you know, blokes like Barks who who had been so good to me as, as a junior, and and uh, then to come back to the footy club and and to to be working there at, at the time, and uh, and for me to walk out on that, um, yeah, it was just hard to do. Don't get me wrong, I. I, I <laughs> I, I was at that stage also, you know, um, a professional athlete, you know, who, you know, we, we still had other jobs, but, you know, we were putting a hell of a lot into it. And um, I, I started away at the fact that I felt strongly that we were in a position to, um, to, 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 to win a flag. And, you know, that, that's, that's our ultimate reason why we play. And, um, you know, whilst we didn't quite get there um, in 97, um, you know, I, I, I've, you know, again, hold no, no regrets on staying at all. Now, speaking of having other jobs and that sort of thing, um, you yourself uh, actually still these days, I believe, a builder. Um, you're obviously doing a bit of building during your playing day and that sort of stuff. But during that time or after retirement or anything like that, have you had any of the younger guys coming and doing any work for you or anything? Or, um, and if so, is there any good stories that you might be able to drop with them? Um, look, I, I had uh, I had Gilbo down, um, who we signed off as a, as a fully qualified um, halfway through last year. Um, he was a ripper. Um, I didn't know a lot about uh, Sammy, but um, he uh, he just turned up day one and was prepared to roll his sleeves up and uh, and get in there amongst you know sort of uh, just all the crappy jobs and and um, it was it was a Terrific, terrific learner. Um, I had uh, a big spider ever um, early days uh, when I uh, when I very very early early days. Um, we were building 
a hell of a lot of carports and, and garages uh, down around the Frankston Way. And um, I never used to take a ladder. Spiders used to, used to, be able to just, just uh, stand there and hold everything up. Uh, he liked to think he was good on the tools, but uh, the big fella was, uh, was a little bit rough around the edges. Um, didn't, quite, uh, didn't quite have the attention to detail, but, uh, geez, he was, uh, he was handy uh, in... Uh, as a the fact that we just didn't have that ladder <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, a couple of the other younger guys throughout the, you know, Stevie Baker. Uh, I did, did, uh, I, I built a couple of units for him, and um, yeah, he, he he was useless on the tools, so uh, <laughs> I, I basically just had to do everything for him. But um, no, it's been it's been good fun. Obviously, you know, Maxie Hutchinson, who I now call one of my great mates, who's uh, in his own right um, just doing some amazing things building wise. Um, you know, sort of, uh, sort of followed in my footsteps and got his builder's license just as he he finished. So, you know, we uh, we catch up uh, along with Rui every Monday, Wednesday, Friday down the bars and have a swim and do some weights. And you know, Maxie and I talk shop um, all the time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been a good good industry to go into. Tough, hard, um, no doubt about that. And it's taken me a long time to sort of be Stuart Lowe that guy who used to play football who's now the builder um, but um, yeah no regrets and really really enjoying it Just a couple before we let you go on the Moorabbin journey so you played your first game at Moorabbin against Sydney in round 9 1986 that the club was at a really low yeah. ebb at that stage about to win a fourth wooden spoon in succession yeah. there were glimpses 87 and, and 89 the club put some good footy together in, in patches and, and obviously the crowds came back but it was through the early 90s that we saw the joint really start to pump and obviously when we, when we played our last ever game there which you were a part of in 1992 against Fitzroy the club was on the verge of finals for the, the second year in a row can you sort of take us through your first impressions of Moorabbin and the way that grew and and perhaps your experiences of the atmosphere because I think we've seen quite clearly in the last couple of weeks that it, that it is very much home for the football club the way it's been celebrated in, in the last couple of weeks oh look it'd be you know I, I, I heard um I heard the club talking about the possibility of playing the uh, Port Adelaide game um, mm-hmm. at, at Moorabbin, and uh, I just think that would be awesome if they could somehow manage to do that. I don't know whether they are going to with what's happening at the grandstand, but it would just be unbelievable. You know any good builders? Um, look, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've done a bit down there. When Tom I was there, we did we did all the, we did all the, the club rooms with the boys when we were struggling for a quit. A little bit different to what there is now, but. Um, but uh, no, I could point him in the right direction. It mightn't happen as quick as they'd like if I was uh, in charge. <laughs> but um, it'd probably be cheaper than what they're paying for. But um, look, my, my first day, my first game against the Swans with Frankie Coglin and I debuted. Um, there was not a blade of grass on the ground. <laughs> um, I was always told that Ian Stewart watered it, um, and uh, I've since had that at 100% verified. Um, <laughs> we'd, we'd had it. We'd had a wet summer. Uh, sorry, had a wet winter, but. Um, Seriously, it was it was you know ankle deep mud from goal square to goal square all the way down. I I was lucky enough to grab hold of a mark um, at about the twenty minute mark in the first quarter. Oh, I look, I'd say thirty meters, but I think it was probably twenty five meters out, and, uh, and I just managed to run the distance um, to to get my boot through the through the mud and and, and kick a goal. Um, you know, the, the 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 old days up in the social club. Um, you know, we go back, we go back afterwards, and 
and, and yes, we had good fun in, in, in at the disco on a Saturday night. Um, but um, yeah, all the all the coterie st- groups were up there. Um, it was very intimate, um, very 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 loyal. Um, the animal enclosure was was enormous. You, you could you could smell the barbecue on the on the outer. Um, and uh, and you knew you knew you just you just they just had your back all the way through. Um, I remember one day we played I think we, we played Hawthorne. It was the late late eighties. It might have been might have been ninety. And I I used to live at uh, Mount Eliza, and um, I I I pick halves up on the way through most 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 weekends. But I decided to do this trip on my own. And for some reason, I decided to come the back way. Uh, I thought it might have been quicker just to duck up South Road. Well, the traffic on South Road was banked up from Warrigal Road all the way through to South Road. I made it just as the meeting started. It took me half an hour to get all the way through. I think there was 43,000. It was a lockout. It was enormous. Um, and, uh, and we managed to win that game too courtesy of uh, Russell Morris who was playing for Hawthorne who um, who actually lost it for Hawthorne on that day and then <laughs> won us a game for St Kilda the following year against the Hawks so he won us two games in a row um, <laughs> but, um, but no great great memories um, you know uh, just 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 it was just suburban footy which which I which I know I know we're not going to get back to um, I think we all understand that but um I certainly think there, there there is a there is a slot for somehow getting a boutique stadium that could house fifteen or say thousand people, um, and uh, and and make that happen. You know, once once or twice a year, um, I've I've no doubt it'll be huge. Oh, it'll be absolutely massive. Uh, Stewie, as we, we let you go, I uh, just recently during the week watched the reenactment match of 96 where you tore Collingwood apart. I think for any modern Saints fans that uh, understand that you're a superstar but might not have seen the footage, that wouldn't be a bad game to start. I think you took 15 marks and kicked seven or eight in that particular game. It was one of many great games you played for the club. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing some memories. You've been a superstar and uh, good luck with uh, everything in the, uh, in the building trade and hopefully they will give you a call. No worries at all, guys. No worries. Go Saints. That was Stuart Lowe, one of the all-time greats of the St Kilda Football Club. Here we are at the Adelaide Airport, ready to fly home. Uh, Girls, pretty disappointed that they didn't get the result done, um, but pretty proud in the way they went about their footy. You know, uh, we started on fire, which was a focus because we've been slow the last couple of weeks. So um, to get out and really take it to Adelaide and and play, I guess, the game more on our terms. We knew that if we could do that and disrupt the defence, that we'd have a fair, fair chance of winning the game. Obviously, it was set up for us in the third quarter, um, going into the last quarter, and you know, potentially if that goal of Georges goes through, we're 12 points up and can roll someone behind the ball and defend it. But uh, it didn't go through, and then uh, that was a bit of momentum going their way. Uh, Clara went down, uh, who's very pivotal for us in the first three quarters. And then uh, it just unravelled a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a really positive signs. If the girls can play that type of footy continuously and consistently and keep growing on that, uh, hopefully you'll all agree that will be exciting side to watch. Peter Searle there reflecting on a really tough loss for the, uh, the St Kilda girls, a very good performance in their second round effort against Adelaide. The optimistic or glass half full way of looking at that would be to say they were gallant against the reigning premiers 
and they were very, very sharp. And, and if not for a line ball decision on the line, probably would have won the game had they have gone two goals clear in the last quarter. Glass half empty view that they should have won the game and didn't. Yeah, that's right. I, I think they should have won the game. Yeah. I think reality, reality hits in that Adelaide have been the best club in the AFLW for three for sure. years. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've won two out of the three premierships for a reason. Uh, they're a quality outfit, even without Aaron Phillips. Everyone knows that Adelaide are the benchmark in AFLW. And, you know, our girls took it up to them for three and a half quarters. Uh, but experience at the end of the day, they were they were cooler with the ball. They were stronger at the contest. And they kicked straight when it mattered in those last few minutes. Uh, and, you know, in low-scoring games of football, which we, we know AFLW is generally... And that's, I'm not saying that as a negative thing, but mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you gotta take those chances when you've got them. And, and Adelaide did that in those last few minutes. Yeah. They just, the experience showed in the end there, they, they, I mean, we lose a player, get stretched off, it stopped the game and it's, it possibly slows us down too. Mm. Um, Adelaide were just able to get back quicker, restart again, faster, kick those quick couple of goals. And that was that, um, it's, it's, it's just an experience thing They mm. they're, they're as they're saying, they're the most experienced team in the league, literally. Um, it, it's a tough loss, but it's the sort of thing you can see going first year team. Yep, yeah. that that sort of thing's probably going to happen sometimes. Yeah, you can you can never say it for certain, but it's strong confidence given the way the game was being played and the way we'd answered every challenge. That if that ball goes through for a goal mm-hmm. and isn't touched on the line, we'd probably win the game. So yep. you go 11, 10, 11 points in front with about eight or nine minutes to go. Uh, surely Adelaide heads would have probably dropped at that stage. Uh, there are a lot of really good signs in it. Obviously, oh, Patrikios continued to play very well. She's been a she'll, star. She'll be the best player in the league. Yeah, she'll win mm. the Rising Star this yep. season by a street, I would think. Admittedly, there are other good players in there. Uh, Tilly Lucas-Rod was was pretty good. McCarthy's goal on the intercept yep. in the yep. first quarter. Um, so there, Jump on and get vote goal a week. That's right. So there were, uh, <laughs> there were plenty, of, plenty of positives out of it. And... I guess the way I assess, is, assess it is we were jumped in the Bulldogs game, uh, pretty scratchy mm. first 20 minutes, and then tight after that, and then matched it with the, the reigning premiers. So a tough game this week against Melbourne. who won both their matches and, and looked pretty sharp. But it's going to be difficult to play finals in a seven- or eight-game comp when you lose your first mm. two. But we certainly don't look like we're anywhere near the worst side in it. We look like we've got a, a fair bit of depth and yeah, I think hardness it, about us. I think it's pretty fair to say that we've shown the most out of any of the new expansion clubs. Yeah. Uh, and the Gold Coast beat Richmond, but yep. they, I mean. They were not they Exactly. Were not and then they, they played another expansion club. So, um, And I, I think if, if we were to win a couple and potentially sneak into that, that third spot, that I don't think any any club, Adelaide, Bulldogs, Brisbane, who've been all been there before, mm. I don't think any of them would want to face us. Yeah, they looked. Um, they certainly did look stuffed the last ten or so minutes. So hopefully they can build from there. Melbourne, obviously, next up for them. Morabin um, memories. Obviously, asked Stewie Lowe about it, and we've been talking about it as a theme. We're all pretty young, but some of my Morabin memories. One of my only Morabin memories is actually that last game in 1992. I went as a kid with mum and dad and got lost in the crowd. I think. Dad was walking me back from, say, the, the, the toilets to, to, the, to the staging area where some of the players and coaches were speaking after the game. And I think somewhere in the crowd, I must have just lost hold of his hand 
and I think I they had to do one of those announcements on stage for the the lost child and <laughs> uh, and found me. I think some of the boys were, were up there at the time, but one I do remember was 2005, back in the day when the Moorabbin used to show a lot of the St Kilda. They're starting to do again now. They used to show a lot of the St Kilda games from mm-hmm. interstate and the final <clears throat> the finals win in Adelaide. Yep. Watching that at Moorabbin with so many Saints fans when we beat them in 2005, that that was a remarkable atmosphere. Yeah, I was there that night. That was great. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, there's a couple. Of, I I have not vivid memories, but I have vague memories of, of the goal squares and following Plugger from mm. goal square to goal square. Uh, I have vague memories of banging on the, the tin back yeah. of the grandstand, yeah. uh, you know, at quarter time breaks. Uh I think one of my, my strongest memories is that, that week of the 97 grand final, Yeah, that the training run on the Thursday, uh, dad pulled me out of school and, and we went to Moorabbin and, and were there for training. And that was something that I'd never experienced before was that, that atmosphere at Moorabbin, uh, before the grand final. But one, I think that's, that's probably a bit, a bit personal to me was, uh, my, my old man used to do a bit of work with, um, some guys at the club. Johnny Beveridge was one of them. And, and, uh, a couple of years organized for me to have my birthdays at Moorabbin at training <laughs> nights. Uh, and, and, you know, got to do some tours of the, the dressing rooms and then the, the locker rooms and that sort of stuff and, and meet the, meet the guys. I was awestruck. And, uh, one of these, one of these nights, Stewie Lowe was on the boundary and said, can we get, grab a photo? I was, I don't know, five or six or seven <laughs> and buckets who's named buckets because of his hands and how big he is, picked me up and I have this photo that I've had on my wall probably since that night or, you know, that week. Uh, and his hands are literally as big as my entire body. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite photos, one of my favorite memories, but, um, you know, we, we've spoken a bit kind of off air and, and on this podcast about what Moorabbin means to us and, and to Saints fans. And, you know, we, we were there last week, H, I think it was pretty clear that, that Moorabbin is our home yep. and, and where, you know, our, our Saints family wants to be. Yep. Uh, and it's just, it was, it was a magical feeling being there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. If they were playing down the sea, but I don't think we would have got a crowd like that. No. Um, yeah, but going on for myself, I didn't really see much myself down there in the day. Um, we were more Waverley attendees. Um, but yeah, just going back to those grand final weeks. Yeah. Um, that They were huge. I mean, we were just on the cusp of leaving there. Um, but those training sessions the week before and all that sort of thing, they were just, just crazy. But I do remember one because they had the training session on, I think it was on the Thursday, uh, the teams were named afterwards and I, ended, I was down in Chadston for some reason that night and I walked past, straight past Robert Eddy <laughs> and I was like, oh, you poor bugger. <laughs> Cause he wasn't, yeah, dropped from the week before and yeah, it would have been 09. Yeah. yeah. Um, he played in a draw in 2010 yeah, so he yeah. would have missed the year before. Yeah. So yeah. hit the post in the last quarter of the draw actually from about 50 out on the boundary, Robert Eddy. But, mm. Yeah, um, I saw him. It's yeah. a bit stiff. Always copped a bit of a bad yeah, rap. I thought a little bit. Um, was per- perfect type of player for that Ross line. He team. was, but but I would have picked Jack Stephen or yeah. um, David yeah. Armitage probably ahead of him. But yeah, yeah. Um, no arguments. But there. yeah, he was he was a little bit stiff. But it's interesting. We talk about the, the feel and the soul of of certain places. Like if you go to any sporting event at the MCG, there's a certain hum or, or feeling at the venue, like a pulse, mm. if you will, and. Seaford, not through any fault of its its own, it just didn't have that history. But you could tell walking into Moorabbin that it does have that vibe, that feeling of home, that sort of mm. soul and spirit about it that tells you that that's where they're supposed to be. So uh, hopefully everyone's along. If they do happen to run into us, if you know what we look like, you can... <laughs> 
hop by and have a beer at Moravin. Uh, we'd love to do that. Uh, that's that's probably one of those sort of standout experiences with for me. My my father used to go to Moravin every week for twenty seven years, and being a kid until they last played there. And um, he was saying yesterday that. I've never actually stood with him at a game at Moorabbin. I've only been there as a kid, either on his shoulders or off with mum or doing something. Lost. That's all lost. <laughs> all lost in the crowd. So for me, as a lifelong St Kilda supporter, I, I get to watch St Kilda play at Moorabbin with my father for the very first time. So, mm. yeah, I'm sure that's something that a lot of people will uh, will experience as well. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I wonder what would have happened with, Spud, with Spud's funeral had we not had Moorabbin yeah. as an option. Mm. Yeah. Um, because that was a that was a really special day. Uh, I think we all knew it. The only um, other option would have been Ballarat, probably. Probably, yeah, probably. But you know that was that was a really special day, and I think it was it was the perfect place, mm-hmm. the perfect place to say farewell. Oh yeah, yeah. The the lap of honour still probably gets me to mm. some degree. There's a bit of a lump in the throat. Just yeah, talking about it. That's right. It was uh, it was tough, and even Stewie there. I think most of us saw his speeches at the best and fairest, and at the the funeral itself, and. Reiterating some of those words that we asked him that question, and he went for probably five minutes on on Spud, mm. just pouring it all out and, and letting that all know. So, and it looks like round two, I think, is it round two yeah, that the, West yeah, Coast the club's yeah. looking mm. at doing the uh, the the tribute to him. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But it's back now. I don't think we're going to have a St Kilda free week for a very long time. Hopefully the girls not. will be yeah, that's right. The girls will be going for at least the next six weeks, and and the guys are obviously in action from now through until yeah. hopefully about the 28th or 29th last, of September. The last two rounds overlap, I think it yeah. is. Um, mm, and we've yeah. actually got on the Sunday, we play North Melbourne, and the girls play pretty much straight after at Victoria Park. There you go. If, we, if we're still doing this podcast in 30 weeks, I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. If there's a... If there's only one game to preview and there's only one game left in the season, let's hope we're in it. But uh, guys, thank you, and we'll do it again over the next couple of weeks. Cheers, mate. See you tomorrow.